The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker at the time of the recording are not necessarily those of Jupiter and may change in the future. Jupiter is unable to provide investment advice, so we recommend you discuss any investment decision with a financial advisor. Market and exchange rate movements can cause investment values to fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than originally invested. Any data or views given in this podcast should not be construed as investment advice. Hello, everyone. I'm Edward Bonham Carter. Welcome to this edition of Jupiter Active Minds. And I'm going to be speaking with Stephen Pearson, Jupiter's long-standing CIO, Chief Investment Officer. And we're going to be covering a range of subjects, but most importantly, Jupiter's recent acquisition of Merian and what it means for our clients, our colleagues, and hopefully our shareholders as well. So welcome, Stephen. But firstly, let's start by saying how's um, lockdown been for you? Share some of the stories and how you've managed to stay sane. Uh, Well, we've been locked down in Wimbledon. Um, We managed to get the family back, which was good. My daughter was in uh, Melbourne at the time uh, at university. Uh, We managed to get her back. Uh, My son at uh, Exeter. And I have a father-in-law who's 93 who's been living with us as well. So uh, getting everyone at home and safe was uh, a good starting point. Um, It's been very intense. There was a fair bit going on in the markets in this uh, period just to keep us focused and occupied. So I have been pretty much in front of Zoom calls from eight till eight. And then uh, really outside of that, I've had the opportunity to get running again. And uh, I've been running four or five times a week, uh, getting up to 50K a week. So that's been good. It's something that I've always enjoyed doing. It's been nice to have the time to do that. Excellent. That's kept you sane. And you've been doing a bit of cooking. Are you the chef in the, the house, Stephen? I can't remember. Remind me. I've done very little cooking, actually. I've got to admit that. But uh, what we do have is we have it, the lads cook on Saturday. So my son, Sam, who I would say is uh, is keen on cooking, he pretty much does the Saturday uh, cooking. I chop up a few vegetables, wash up the dishes at the end of it and lay the table and serve the alcohol, which, of course, is very important. Uh, but uh, we we have that's the agreement. The lads do Saturday, and uh, we we've stuck to that all the way through so far. Well, look, uh, I take my hat off to you and the rest of my colleagues because I've been lucky for the benefit of the listeners. Um, I haven't had to work five or seven days a week on Zoom calls. I do have a wider question, Pat, Stephen, and I can chat about later about the health of being on a screen for quite so long and what the future work's going to look like. But I think we'll come back to that. But uh, I think we should start with Jupiter's culture. And Stephen, you've been uh, a mainstay at Jupiter for many years. And I'd just be curious as to what you think about Jupiter's culture before we come on to your role within that. Well, I've been at Jupiter a while, not as long as you, uh, but uh, since 2001 when you uh, recruited me to launch a European Long Short Fund. So most of my career since then at Jupiter has been as a fund manager. So... I'm very conscious of that uh, fund management culture, which, you know, you embedded as CIO and uh, and John uh, following on from that. And that's very much part of um, being active as a, an investment manager, right? doing things differently from the broad uh, indices, um, being independent in the way that you think about things. Uh, we 
avoid taking a consistent view across all the strategies, that no house view um, uh, label that uh, that's important for us. I think herding is a very powerful instinct in markets and stepping away from that's important. I think that's important for, for, for clients too. It can be quite tough, but that's an important part of the culture. Um, unconstrained, um, our portfolios and our managers uh, are unconstrained. Obviously, there's oversight and all the rest of it that goes with the job, but uh, we do leave them to get on with it as much as we can. We think that's important. Um, but I think another part, which I would say has evolved, um, is uh, the fostering of a collaborative environment. So it's okay for people to have different views and different uh, thoughts, but you want to have that in the melting pot. You want that challenge, whether it's in investment meetings or just around the coffee uh, machine, you want them to be challenging each other so that they're not um, just getting tunnel uh, approach in in their investment views. So I think we've worked quite hard on maintaining that collaborative culture. That's difficult in lockdown keeping everybody uh, communicating, talking to each other, hearing the other views. I think that's one of the challenges of of this environment you're in. But I think that culture, that what we think of as the DNA of Jupiter, um, is something that we've we've identified and uh, sought to maintain. And I think in the Merion acquisition, one of the things that's encouraging is that you see a lot of that. And the more that I've met with their managers, the more I've appreciated that there is a shared culture. Yeah, and in a sense, that's one of the challenges you have and will have is from memory, Merion didn't have a CIO. And so it's introducing yourself to the concept of an added value from the CIO and the CIO office. And that's something you've successfully developed at Jupiter. And how have you gone about communicating that to our new talent? Yeah, well, we've we've done a lot. We've done a fair bit of that. You're absolutely right. There isn't a similar structure in uh, in, in place at Marion. There is uh, there is you know there's a there's a CEO role and there's been a CIO role. But you can see very quickly that they're quite independent. The the teams and that sort of uh, oversight function that uh, that we've built up around uh, Jupiter has. Uh, it isn't there to the same extent. It's something that, um, you know, I've definitely uh, been very associated with at Jupiter. I don't think it was there um, in the, you know, in the, in the five years uh, prior to me becoming CIO. It's something we've built out with Catherine, with Magnus, and it's, it's an important function. I think clients increasingly are asking for managers, not, um, not only uh, how do you manage the money, but also how do you manage the managers? Uh, and, you know, with the various uh, incidents that we've had that have damaged trust in, uh, in, in fund management, you know, that is an increasing question that clients uh, want to hear. And balancing being able to answer that question and having some principles, philosophies, approaches, a framework to deal with things. Um, and whilst maintaining that uh, freedom, that independence that the managers, um, you know, cherish, that's the real, that's the trick. That's the, that's the balancing act that we're all uh, in our team trying to, uh, trying to maintain. Yeah, and for those of you who are listening, don't know Stephen's very involved with the RFU. And I'm just curious, what lessons and experience do you bring from the world of rugby to the whole issue of resilience, maybe, but the management of, of money and people? 
Well, one of the things I've found uh, as a volunteer in the rugby world and getting involved in the administration now being on the board is it's just amazing how often they overlap in terms of uh, the lessons that you learn from one side to the other. So the culture piece, that's a very big part of, uh, of, of regulatory uh, as well as client focus around uh, financial companies and uh, and fund managers increasingly going forward. That's been a big thing in rugby. Um, if you go back to the 2011 World Cup in New Zealand, where there were all sorts of shenanigans around the England team, there was a real rebasing under Stuart Lancaster's leadership around what is the culture, what are the values, what do we stand for as an organisation and out there on the pitch when we go out and play. Um, and here we are in fund management talking about just those sorts of things. What are the cultures? What are the values? What's our style of playing and what do we stand for? So watching the way the organisation has played both those two things has been really, uh, really interesting. Um, I, I'm very keen about um, the personal development uh, side of it. I think in in sport, you know, you, you spend more time training than you do playing uh, as a fund manager there's actually very little time tra trading, it's all playing. And fund managers spend very little time thinking back and, well, lots of them anyway, thinking back, analysing what worked, what didn't work, using that rich seam of data and information that there is about how they implement, uh, select, hold, cut, uh, take profits from uh, positions. So I think I think those sorts of analogies about learning and development are really interesting. We've tried to do quite a bit with that with our, our fund managers. Um, and that progression from being, um, you know, able to being, you know, national level to being international level to being world class, that's really important. And mostly uh, the players that focus on and drive themselves to be world-class players really do have certain characteristics that you can identify in them in terms of their commitment to develop, to focus, to organise their lives. And I think those are good skills for fund managers to think about in terms of the way they develop themselves over time. And I look for that in, 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 our, in our teams and our managers, in new managers that we recruit, and also... Um, just generally working around uh, the problems that we, the challenges that you have around performance. I want to see managers demonstrate that willingness to, to learn, to adapt, um, when they get things wrong, to analyse it, because it's often those things that give you the best learnings for the future. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hearing quite a lot, which is uh, something you brought to the party. There's almost a sort of coaching, mentoring element, as well as an analysis element that maybe... The amateur CIOs that preceded you before didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite get. So I think that's real added value. And I always remember yeah. selfishly uh, having the chance, thanks to you, playing ping pong with Matthew Syed that you brought into the office, the Times journalist, sports journalist, who brings a really interesting aspect into top performers. Yeah, I, th I, th I think that's right. He he's uh, he's great at that, and uh, and and. Really, I think a lot, a lot of the managers learned from that, um, and uh, and took away some of the some of the lessons uh, from it. And I, I think that's, I think that's exactly the right thing. You know, when I started as a fund manager, you were given a copy of the FT, a pencil, a pair of scissors, and a calculator, and you were sat in a corner, given a fund to run. And you know, a few years later, they'd go back and say, "Did you do a good job, or you did it, or did you not?" But you were left to your to your own devices. We've got to do more than that. 
uh, (laughs) these days. And I think there's a lot more sophisticated things that we can do. Um, I think the interesting thing in my role is is the difference between being a coach and being a manager. And I'm definitely the manager. Um, uh, Nearly all conversations you're having are, are mentoring, coaching related. But the coach where you can really open up, you know, what's going, what's going wrong, you know, what am I fear? You, you need some, a little bit of independence around that uh, and those sorts of safe conversations to have away from employment or remuneration conversations. And that's why some of the advisors um, that we've used, some of the third parties, they provide an, an additional um, uh, edge in that that you, perhaps you can't get from the conversation between the CIO and the, the, the fund manager. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So coming down a bit more to the here and now, uh, you're a member of the Exco and you've got a lot of responsibility in making the Merion acquisition work. How do you think about the benefits to our customers of the Merion acquisition, as well as our colleagues and the widest stakeholders? Why is this to use this term a win-win for all? Well, I, I think... There are there are a number of levels uh, on on which I think it uh, it can add value to our to our customers o- over time and and also to uh, our shareholders and our and our people. Um, I think from a business perspective, uh, a broader business is generally a more resilient business. It has more legs to stand on, uh, more power to be able to grow. Uh, going forward. And, you know, historically, Jupiter was very much a UK uh, business from, from, from a client perspective, and a very much a UK and European equity business uh, in terms of the investment capabilities that it has. Progressively over the last five years, we've been diversifying that. The growth of our fixed income uh, capability has been the, the standout example of that. Um, prior to that, obviously, the fund, the fund of the Merlin business too. Um, but we are increasing and broadening our investment capability, a more resilient business, a more diverse business, a business that's capable of growing with a different variety of, cl- of, of clients in different channels internationally as well as in the UK. From a client point of view, um, the resources, the capability that we build out around some of our key strategies uh, they're really enhanced by this deal. Um, uh, we've always been strong in UK equities, but bringing the Merion teams in alongside our own team gives us real powerhouse in UK equities, somewhere around 15 billion of assets under management, strength across the different styles of investing, growth, uh, value, small cap, large cap, um, unquoted investments as uh, uh, as well with the Merion acquisition. That breadth is uh, is 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 very compelling, and the range of managers. There's the we have a number of managers with long established track records who are leaders in their in their fields, and the next generation of managers behind them. So I think that's a really strong proposition that clients should uh, uh, should feel reassured by the access to information, the influence around the companies. Um, all, all those sort of things, we should be able to make that, uh, unleash that to work. Um, other other things that I think uh, are attractive are, are new capabilities that we've been investing in. Marion have also been investing in. So that's, that's clear in emerging markets um, on both the debt and on the equity side. 
combining those early stage investments, and it's still three, four years, which is early stage, combining our capabilities in those areas gives us a bit more scale, a bit more clout, and a bit more opportunity to accelerate the growth um, of those two areas. So I think that's uh, that's exciting. And yeah, I think I think as uh, you know, is 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 important is a lot of these deals are when you see them uh, in our industry always talked about in terms of um, cost cutting and synergies and you know savings rationalizations and those you know those are those are all you know they're, they're all important part of doing that but in the end we need to deliver growth we need to deliver performance um, and we didn't need to deliver scale for for our investors and the smallest things may accelerate to being much more powerful growth drivers for Jupiter. Yeah, and they also bring something that we don't have, uh, systematic and quant strategies, and that's clearly different and additive. How do you think about that? Because at first glance, that looks different from the bottom-up stock-picking ethos that's characterised Jupiter for the last 30-odd years. It, it, it's different. That's definitely true. Um, it's active, and that was one of the first key points that we needed to we needed to focus on. This is not; it might be quantitative, but it's not a passive uh, uh, strategy. The, the various factors that drive the, uh, the the stock selection, the weightings to those factors that can change over time, those deliver an active portfolio, an actively managed portfolio. There are more stocks in it. Um, it's systematic. It's trading more. Uh, regularly, so it looks and feels like a different beast, um, and in, and in many ways it is a different beast. Uh, but it's still very much true to that uh, core active uh, philosophy of, of uh, Jupiter. So, I mean, uh, listening to you, Stephen, and your earlier comments, how are you thinking about? Well, I don't like the word integration, but welcoming our new colleagues on board. We were fortunate um, that we did get to see all the managers either one-to-one, and most of it was one-to-one, or in small group meetings with their teams or in town halls um, before the lockdown. Uh, we worked very hard, Catherine, Magnus, myself, getting um, getting in front of and getting to see all those. So we'd, we had already met and talked, which was good. Uh, and uh, But we've had to continue a lot of it through um, these types of uh, conversations. And um, yeah, it takes longer to do, there's no doubt about it. But hopefully we've built the... The relationships, the understanding. We feel that we've got to know the key questions that uh, uh, we needed to understand about the way money is managed, and also the um, you know the the, the compatibility uh, in terms of culture for for working on the on, on the Jupiter platform. Well, I wish you luck with that. So, as you said earlier, we're going to be a bigger fund manager. We're going to hold bigger stakes in more companies. And Jupiter's got quite an interesting defined approach to the, the S, the stewardship of ESG um, and sustainability. How how do you think we should think about this in the in the years to come? Well, I think uh, the whole topic of sustainability ESG related funds is growing in importance uh, not uh, the regulators involved in that um, and there's a political vein to it uh, within Europe but clients are um, and clients are increasingly asking the question you know uh, 
how do, how do you manage the money and, and, and what's your contribution? How are you incorporating these risks and considerations? And it's important for the managers to be able to do that. And we've this is one of those topics where having a room full of individuals doing their their individual managing their own uh, their own strategies and then starting to get some consistency and building a framework around it is one of the the challenges we've centralized all our esg related uh, work around the cio office um, we emphasize core principles that we want to see our managers subscribing to to be on the platform um, and that all, all relates to our, our signature the stewardship code, our rating in the, in the PRI, uh, a variety of different standards that we feel that you need to adhere to, to, to be on our platform. So there's a hygiene factor on the platform. Uh, we have data, uh, which we can use to analyze our managers and our managers can help to use uh, in, in analyzing their companies. Our data science guys are blending that. So we've got a bit of an in-house uh, screen to look at. So principles, data. We have a research team for research managers headed by Ash Ray doing a super job. Their job is to uh, encourage, stimulate, uh, identify areas and, and help provide the research that our managers uh, uh, need to enable them to, to, to do that. And then we have a number of uh, partners that, uh, that we're working with. So I think we can help to coordinate. Um, but the critical thing for the managers is that it needs to be authentic. Uh, it needs to be substantive, make a difference, um, and they need to be able to evidence uh, the work that they're doing in this field, and we're encouraging them to do all that. Um, all those things taken as one, the, the critical uh, issue is to allow them to continue to emphasise what they think is most important and uh, deliver for the clients. So what's the point of all this work? The point of all this work is that we deliver better investment outcomes for our, for our clients. We become better investors as a result of understanding better the risks and engaging with management, the companies that are investing in around these topics. And I think the interesting thing is you've hinted in our culture, Stephen, is that the fund managers still have the voting pen. So this is not some voting yeah. discretion for, uh, instructions from yeah. you. And so that means, to my mind, it's a far richer discussion between the fund manager and the underlying company rather than as the companies would see it, some box-ticking approach. I think that's right, too. Uh, um, uh, you know, I, I think uh, if you're holding a portfolio of 40 to 60 uh, stocks, there is a reasonable chance that you could engage in detail with the companies that cause you the greatest concern and be influential around that. If you've got a portfolio of 300, 400 stocks, you're probably going to do it on a principles basis, certain rules that you adhere to across the play. I'm more of a box ticking approach. It's more liable to be outsourced. So I think there's, there's something very different in the way active and passive managers can, uh, can act in a, a, around their ESG responsibilities. Um, and I think that the active managers do bring something to the table and that. That's certainly the impression that I've got uh, from the companies that I've met to, uh, at various forums that we've been involved in in ESG. They know the managers at Jupiter. They know what they engage with on. They tend to be specific topics that they think are material to the investment case. And they tend to uh, be well informed ar around that. And I think that's perhaps something special that active managers uh, can differentiate themselves around from the passive uh, approach. 
Mm, interesting. Okay, let's go back to the beginning and wrap up, if you see what I mean by the beginning, and return to normality. And I'm interested in your views about the work-life balance between remote working and office working and what that means for for you as CIO and Jupiter and, and the balance between flexibility, but also creating a corporate culture that you've emphasised throughout this talk. Um, we were already seeing lots of working from home arrangements on the part of fund managers in the two, three years leading up to this. So um, I think that's one of the reasons businesses were able to adapt quite quickly uh, on the fund management uh, side to a working from home environment. So I think that will get more institutionalised. Um, I think there'll be less business travel and less need to go to those uh, conferences in Japan. Just talking to our Japanese manager this morning, was he missing the access? Was he feeling that he wasn't in the in the flow of information in the way that he was before? And he, he, he didn't feel so. So I think those things will change. I think we'll be more flexible um, in terms of uh, working arrangements. But I do think it is important that... Uh, to get that kind of collaborative culture, that challenge around uh, investment thinking, that we have some presence in the in the office. So we are uh, once the summer uh, summer break is is over and we start to um, get back into children at uh, at school and what have you. We will be encouraging managers to, to to come back into the office to start to build, even if it's on a rotational basis to start to rebuild that um, that engagement, that dialogue, that challenge um, that takes place when you're all together um, in, uh, in the investment room. Brilliant. Well, I think that's a really good, thought-provoking and positive note to end on. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for the listeners' time. And let's meet again in some form of media. Thank you very much. That's goodbye from Stephen and Edward. Thank you very much, Edward.